Today we're going to discuss the use of aquaponics for long-term survival here on The Prepper Podcast, episode 132. The American people would never vote for socialism. He said under the name of liberalism, the American people will adapt every fragment of the socialist program. The Prepper Podcast is an up-to-date survival podcast based on military wilderness and modern-day survival and may be found at thepremmerpodcast.com. I'm Ken Jensen, and this is the podcast about everything survival. My goal is to teach you strategies on self-reliance and to develop survival skills and critical thinking in everyone, resulting in a more resilient and enjoyable life. Today, I am on the receiving end of an interview since I was interviewed on the Changing Earth Podcast by Sarah Hathaway. Today's discussion is about the use of aquaponics for long-term survival. Now, I'm uh, probably going to have quite a few of these interviews coming up, just so you guys know, but they are awesome. The Changing Earth Podcast is a cool idea where Sarah reads her book series. She's a fiction author, and uh, every podcast has a section of the book, usually a chapter, where she reads her fiction writing, and then interviews someone more in-depth about specific survival topics covered in her book so lately i have been waiting until after the outro music at the end of the show and then giving you personal updates on some of the things going on with me my business things like that so hang around after the music if you want to know what i personally have going on i want to thank Niels and danny for becoming patrons of the show with a monthly donation on patreon if you like all the different things that i do all the free stuff i give please Consider supporting me on Patreon by going to theprepperpodcast.com forward slash Patreon. Now the reward levels are uh, $5 a month, special content access and mention of your support, $10 a month, link to your website from mine and announce your website, $25 a month, my advanced first aid kit training, $50 a month, extremely detailed prepping questionnaire designed to guide you in your preparedness, my advanced preparedness system and a $150 one-on-one consulting session with me. Now I've started a newsletter where I've been focusing a lot of my time trying to give you weekly tips, tricks, information. I also give suggestions on cool gear and offer free stuff. If you want me to email you some of the best stuff for new preppers, then just go to thepreppercast.com and sign up in the sidebar or just text me text survive at 444-999 that's survive at 444-999 just a few items that you will learn are the first four things that you need to do when getting started in prepping a simple way to build a fire everyday carry items both basic things and some of the crazy things that i carry crossing rivers repelling in emergencies first backup power setup compact pistol grips i could keep going because i've got this thing uh at least a year long at this point once again there are two ways to sign up go to theprepperpodcast.com and sign up in the sidebar or just text survive to 444 999 
Now, the show notes may be found at theprepperpodcast.com forward slash 132 or at theprepperpodcast.com forward slash aquaponic survival. Now, I have a sponsor today. Uh, I My first sponsor. Sponsor for today is Martin Armory. Martin Armory at martinarmory.com was founded with a simple goal to make buying a gun simple and affordable. Instead of carrying thousands of different guns, Martin Armory only carries 25 so that they can focus on providing the most popular guns on the market and at insanely cheap prices. Even though their prices are among the cheapest, martinarmory.com is offering Prepper Podcast listeners free shipping. Simply go to martinarmory.com, pick an awesome gun, and enter the promo code Prepper Podcast. Again, that's martinarmory.com and enter the promo code Prepper Podcast. And it was pretty cool. He was real easy to get along with. He was real straightforward. He's just like, hey, dude, I enjoy your show. You and I, we have alignment, you know, we have aligned goals and stuff like that. I didn't make it easy on him. I I basically put him through a nasty interview process because I want to make sure that the people that are going to sponsor this show, if I get any sponsors, are going to be legitimate. First, I made sure that I had direct access to him at any time that there was any issues, and I also made sure that he was going to be able to correct any of those issues. Then I checked all of his pricing and stuff like that, and he definitely was at the low end of the... He was at the low end of the market. On top of that, you can get free shipping by using that promo code. So I think that before you uh, before you buy your next gun, and he has... You know, they're, they're all fairly reputable guns, but before you buy your next firearm... Go to martinarmory.com, check it out, use promo code PREPPERPODCAST. That way, I will keep this sponsor, and I will get more sponsors. The more people enjoy sponsoring this show, more sponsors I can get, and the more shows that I can do. For every sponsor, I'm going to make sure that I have a show available every month so that I can put that sponsor on there. So, just help me out, go there, buy a gun. If you would like to sponsor this podcast, you can go to theprepperpodcast.com forward slash feedback. You can also go there if you need to give me any feedback. All right, so let's get started on today's episode, which is aquaponics and long-term survival. So here today to talk to me about aquaponic systems and how they work and how we can make use of them both today or in the event of a natural disaster or a long-term survival situation is Ken Jensen. As I mentioned, he's the host of The Prepper Podcast, and you can find him at www.thepreppodcast.com. Ken is an American ex-military patriot that is knowledgeable and experienced in electronics and industrial electrical design and maintenance. Ken is also an experienced nuclear reactor operator and also worked on nuclear instrumentation. He grew up hunting, camping, and spending time outdoors. In adulthood, Ken has spent many years learning wilderness survival and eventually urban survival. Ken is the author of a book, The Honey and the Bee, and is the main author and contributor to the Clever Survivalist blog, Survival Guide, 
and the Prepper Podcast, Survival Podcast. So let's go ahead and welcome Ken to the show. Thanks very much for joining me today, Ken. Sarah, I am extremely happy to be here on this beautiful, beautiful sunny day in Tennessee talking to you. Awesome. Yeah, it's nice and sunny here in Cali, too. So we're, we're looking forward to that summertime coming in. Lots of work, though. So in this chapter of Without Land, Vince and Erica are walking back to the refugee camp through the heart of what is Las Vegas. And they're, they're passing along all these buildings. And Erica's kind of explaining, the narrator's kind of explaining what these buildings are and what they're all about. So Vince's role in this camp is he is in charge of these communal gardens. And these buildings are very important. They're meticulously cared for because it is all about the food system. And they use a system in there called aquaponics. So, Ken, uh-huh. is aquaponics a viable survival system looking at a long-term survival situation? I would say looking at long-term uh, aquaponics is an extremely viable system if it is built absolutely correctly. Okay. So, I've heard a lot of back and forth about um, the different energy requirements for it and uh, the different, you know, um, um, mostly about the energy requirements of how that could be a challenge. So what is aquaponics and why do we need to know about this as survivalists? Okay, so um, Sarah, you and I have a long history of going extremely long with these. Yes. So I have <laughs> a lot of information to give you and I'm just going to throw a lot of it at you. So aquaponics is the marriage of hydroponics and aquaculture. Okay, in hydroponics, you're cultivating plant life in a bath of nutrient-rich water solution, essentially a bunch of chemicals thrown into the water to give you exactly the nutrients required in those plants instead of soil. So um, what that allows for is large-scale production in a smaller area. Now, aquaculture is a design to grow fish or aquatic life like shellfish, crawfish, snails, or other or other items. All right. So this helps meet with the uh, fish demand. There are a lot of people that love a lot of fish, and you can get top dollar on fish these days. So you can meet this popular demand with very little impact on the overall aquatic population in the oceans and in the rivers by using aquaculture. Well. Introducing aquaponics. Aquaponics is a marriage of aquaculture and hydroponics. Okay, so we're going to use fish that provide nutrient content for the plant life. In aquaponics, we're getting rid of all those agrochemicals that are being used in aquaculture and from typical farming. Problems, you know, we have problems in the delta of the Mississippi right now where there's actually not plant life, usually, and, and, or animal life for that matter. I mean, there is life there, but it's not thriving like it once was. The problem in the Delta is all the chemicals that get washed away from the fields in cotton country, in uh, Mississippi, in Alabama, Arkansas, all these different states. All these chemicals are leaching into the groundwater, into the rivers, going into the Mississippi. And now the Delta, which used to be where, you know, it's mostly brackish water, that's usually where you have the most diversity of life. You have all kinds of stuff there. But we have a problem. 
some of that stuff is disappearing and you don't hear about it on the news. Well, aquaponics gets rid of a lot of these problems. So, you know, wetland, instead of being turned into an habitable area, we can turn it back into the wetland that's thriving, full of life for us to have more food. That's awesome. Um, I heard a very interesting history lesson from um, Rick Austin when I interviewed him. And he was explaining about how all the chemicals that, well, a lot of the chemicals that we have came out of World War II and they used to be bomb making chemicals for like chemical warfare and things like that. And that was a real eye opener on, you know, that just the history of those chemicals that we don't really know. And then what did we think was going to happen when we just dumped them all into our environment? Well, these days, if you eat soy or if you eat corn, you're essentially eating Agent Orange. Yeah. Yes, that's what he was explaining. I was like, that is disgusting. And why do we not know the history about that? You know, we're allowing companies like Monsanto and things like that to thrive off of these farming techniques. And it, and we wonder why our cancer rates are skyrocketing. Yes, you're not hearing about it because companies like Monsanto have every single person that makes laws in their back pocket. And when somebody like you or I we start talking about it. We have a very niche community that loves to listen to it and loves to talk about it. But anybody in the mainstream media is going to make you or I look like someone who has gone a little bit of cuckoo, you know? Right, the wing nut. Because if they if they show if they show the strategic planning that we do, the down to earth way that we tackle problems, then they give us validity. As preparedness individuals, they give us validity and they can't do that because if they do, they're losing all of their clientele to us. Right. And all their funding from these lobbyists like Monsanto and these big com chemical companies. Right. So, Ken, what kind of materials would we need to set this up? Is this something we can do on our own at our homesteads? Uh, you know, is it, um, you know, it might not be the best idea for an apartment, I'm thinking. But so what, you know, how uh, big is this system? What are we talking? Okay. So there are lots of aspects of these systems. There is a lot to understand. So I'm going to go over the system as a whole and the main way that people are using a system today, and I will kind of wrap it up and let and, and kind of give you an idea of some uh, ways that I like to think of it being done for a post-collapse scenario. Okay. So in a typical aquaponics system, the components that you're going to hear about are the rearing tank, the settling basin, the biofilter, and the hydroponics subsystem and the sump, the water pump, an air pump, and a bell siphon. And half the people that are listening probably just thought, what the crap is he talking about? Because <laughs> every single one of those, I mean, nobody, if you aren't in aquaponics, nobody knows what the heck the biofilter is and what is a bell siphon. I mean, who comes up with these names? So anyways, the rearing <laughs> tank, that's a that's essentially just a fish tank. Okay. It is a tank for raising and feeding fish. You can make a rearing tank out of a large barrel or a stock tank. You know, just a glass mm -hmm. fish tank, anything like that. When I say stock tank, 
we're talking big. I'm talking the 1,500-gallon stock tanks that you can buy from Tractor Supply, that kind of thing. You right. could make a really big aquaponics system out of one of those. Now, the settling basin, uh, this is where we're going to catch the uh, uneaten food and uh, detached biofilms and stuff like that, and it settles out all the particles, hence the name settling basin. Is that right. the nice way to say fish poop? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's there's a lot more to it in the biofilms. There's a lot more to it. Okay. But your your fish poop is actually going to be very good in the biofilter. The biofilter is where nitrification bacteria can grow and they can convert ammonia into nitrates. All right, and you know, you can make one of these just out of a bucket full of pebbles. You you want high surface area in these in these things. A lot of people like to use lava rocks and stuff like that okay. because these lava rocks are very porous and they have a lot of surface area. So you you have all the surface area that the bacteria and we'll talk more about the bacteria later, but you have all this that the bacteria can attach to. So the more bacteria that you have, the better you can process your fish poop. Okay. Right? It is not absolutely necessary with a good grow bed to have a biofilter, but you have to be paying attention to your, your concentrations. You have to watch it. A biofilter is kind of like the band-aid for a sickness. You put a band-aid on it and it's going to allow it to keep going. But in, in our case, a biofilter allows us to make things easier on ourselves. It's like the safety system. Yeah, the biofilter, it, it does. It, it allows us that margin of error. Okay. When we start, you know, when you have a healthy uh, biosystem in there, you, you have everything in its proper place, everything's going to work properly. And if you do everything properly, you will never need this biofilter because the bacteria is going to occur naturally in the water anyways. The biofilter is just allowing us to keep more of that bacteria because we are idiots and we are completely busy and we don't take care of our fish and we don't take care of our plants, but they expect them to do everything for us. Right. So our biofilter is going to do that heavy lifting for us on at many occasions. Okay. So the next is the hydroponic subsystem. All right. The hydroponic subsystem is where the plants are going to grow. This is also called the grow bed, all right? Uh, you can use like a flood table. You can frame it above a fish tank. You can use half barrels, you know, barrels just cut in half, open mm -hmm. with the open part up. You can even use bathtubs. I've seen somebody use a bathtub once. <laughs> so people get very creative with these systems. All you really need is a bunch of tanks, all right? With the sump, the this is going to be basically the lowest basin where the water gravity flows into. All right, it's pumped back up into the rearing tanks from the sump. All right, so the sump can be considered part of the rearing tank if you do it properly. Okay. You have a water pump. This is the reason why preppers hate aquaponics. And this isn't necessary, and that's not necessarily a bad argument. You know, they they have concerns that are completely valid. 
but there are aquaponic systems that don't require a water pump. But the typical aquaponic system that will allow you the maximum efficient growth of fish and plants is going to have a pump. And typically it is a mag drive pump, a centripetal type pump. All right. You've probably heard me say centripetal before when you and I were talking about all the different types of generators for hydro, you know, for microhydro. Right. Okay, so this is a mag drive style pump. Uh, you can also use a submersible fountain pump. I've mm-hmm. I've used one of those before. So you're going to pump from the fish tank to the grow bed. Okay. So the water that we're putting into the grow bed is that just coming straight out of the tank and then going, you know, being fed across that flood table. Okay, so let me let me uh, kind of. I need to keep it as simple as possible. All right, all right. Because I don't want to tell everybody that I would recommend them do the typical type of aquaponics. But as you add new water, what I typically want to do with new water is I want to pour it into a container and I want to let it sit for a while. All right. And if you can, you put like fish scales and stuff like that in the water and let it sit for just a little bit. You know, I say a little bit, maybe a week. What you're doing is you're allowing that bacteria to grow into that water a little bit, the bacteria that's healthy. And you could also just fill it up with pond water. Okay. Okay. So this water you can just put in a tank that is going to trickle into your system. You don't typically try to make up water except to make up for your losses. So it's not a big concern on how you're putting your water in there as long as you're not creating thermal shock and you're not putting a lot of chemicals in there. Okay? So okay. essentially the system is basically there. there's more to it, but it's basically two tanks. You have one tank with fish. And from that tank, you've got a sump that is collecting all the debris at the bottom. And from that bottom tank, you're pumping up into your grow bed. Right. And your grow bed has whatever media that you chose. And from the grow bed, it's going to bell siphon down back into your fish. So it does okay. have a media. It's not like um, the the bare roots, like on a hydroponic system. You're putting some kind of dirt or something for your no, plants no. to grow when in. Say, well, when I say media, I mean like rocks. Okay. That kind that's of what thing. I was wondering. Because, yeah, that's a that's a very good media to use even in hydroponics. So we're not using dirt. Okay. All right. But you you know I I skipped the biofilter. The biofilter is typically in between the fish and the grow bed. So I talked about it was bell siphon down into the fish tank. Well, a bell siphon, you can look on Amazon and it's like 30 bucks, or you can make one from PVC components. They're very simple. It's essentially just a raised pipe sticking up out of the bottom of the grow bed tank. Okay. It's a raised pipe. And it's got a bigger pipe over top of it. The bigger pipe has holes drilled in it. And then there is a medium-sized pipe 
in the top with an airlock on top of it, making it float. Okay, so you know how a pipe, if you put it down in water, or if you put your finger over the tip of a straw and push it into the water, you know that you trap that air into the straw. Right. That's essentially how this is working. We're trapping air into this top, this medium-sized PVC pipe. And as the water level rises and it gets to a certain level where it can raise up this medium-sized pipe, it moves out of the way. The water goes through the hole in the big pipe. The main reason for the bigger pipe with holes drilled in it is to keep the media from flowing through your bell siphon. Okay? Okay. So that's basically just a guard. The real meat of what's going on here is that medium-sized pipe that has a cap at the end of it to hold air. That medium-sized pipe is basically just floating up and down, up and down in the water. And as the water level rises, it opens up and the water goes through until it gets to a certain level where it receipts. Okay, okay so that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so hopefully I'm breaking this down enough where people can get a little bit of a visual. You know, you just Google aquaponics systems um, in the image search, and you can find just about anything that you want. But if you pair it up with the descriptions that I'm giving you now, I bet you you could probably go out next week and just build yourself a full aquaponics system. Yeah, I think it'd be sweet because you know right where your fish is coming from. You know, they're so worried about um, all the radioactive contamination and everything nowadays. That it's like, it's nice to know right where it's coming from. Then you've got your, your beds that are fed with the natural ingredients. Can you, um, like, I don't, this is probably a little bit off subject, but can you, um, take out of that biofilter plant, um, fertilizer you could use on other plants in your garden and whatnot? So if I heard you correctly, the question, is could you take media out of the biofilter to act as as basically a a vitamin source for plants elsewhere? Yes. Um, I would not do that. You could, I'm sure, but I would say that its most efficient use is in that system that you built. Okay. Um, what I have done is take some of the media, the gravel or whatever, out of the biofilter and put it into another biofilter for a new system. Oh, to get it started. Yeah, you're supercharging uh-huh. it with the bacteria already. Right. All right, that makes sense. So how practical is this system for long-term survival, Can Like, what are, you know, the energy requirements are the big ones, and that's for your pumps and things like that. So, you know, how realistic... Could we set ourselves up well for this on a long-term basis? Okay, well, in survival situations, you may have issues achieving recirculation and water temperatures due to the Mm -hmm. fact that this thing's probably not in an air-conditioned room, and it's probably it probably doesn't have power unless you have a super electrician with you. You may lose energy for the inputs to your pumps. So now you have no recirculation, and now everything freaking dies. Right. So a single failure point in an aquaponic system, and you could lose all of your fish stock and all of your plant stock. And now you're up Crap Creek 
without a paddle. <laughs> With no paddle. Yes, sir. Absolutely no paddle. And uh, and you don't have a trolling motor because, guess what? You didn't have the electricity to charge it. <laughs> right. Right. So I will go more in detail just because um, for a long-term scenario, I kind of want to give them an idea of, of there, there's more to this. All right. So there are different applications to grow plant life. All right. This could be considered like the same as a hydroponics tank. Right. So this is the one that I really like. Deep water raft aquaponics. The plants float in styrofoam rafts in a deep basin. You have recirculating aquaponics or closed loop aquaponics. You have so, you know, recirculating is basically just uh, the water's constantly recirculating. You know, in some hydroponic beds, you don't have uh, you don't have a tank that they sit in or a bed that they sit in. They sit in a pipe, and the water just goes right on by. Right. All right. So mm-hmm. you can kind of do that with aquaponics as well. You have solid media, which is gravel or clay in a container. The container is flooded with the aquaculture water. And uh, this is best for beginners. This is the reason why it's the typical type. It's best for beginners because it's easier to learn because you have less chance of killing everything. Mm-hmm. All right? right. There are less parts, even though what I told you seemed pretty complicated, there are less parts to it than other, other types. So it's cheaper. All the parts you can make yourself and you can make them with just barrels out of your backyard. Yeah, And then the media bed mechanically filters all the solids and stuff like that. Uh, it performs mineralization, which is breaking down the solids, and biofiltration. That's all the media that's in that bed. So you, this is exactly what I was talking about when I said you don't even have to have a biofilter. The media bed pretty much does it all by itself as well. So... Reciprocating aquaponics is flood and drain aquaponics or ebb and flow aquaponics, which is where the flood and drain, uh, this is basically the simplest one, period. It's easy to build. It's small. You have a one-to-one ratio in this one. Typically, it's the grow bed to the fish tank. So um, your your size is going to essentially be one-to-one. Okay. It's got easier maintenance, and it uses the same media as the solid media, but it's flooded and drained using the siphon drains instead of constantly having flowing water. One that you've probably seen being in magnificent California is vertical tower aquaponics. You've probably seen that outside of some yuppie restaurant where they're growing their tomatoes. Right. And they're typically doing it more for the look than they are for the actual use of the tomatoes, although they do get use from those tomatoes. So the vertical tower aquaponics is pretty obvious. It uses vertical towers that are trickle-fed from the top. Right. And then you have nutrient film aquaponics. Um, Nutrient film aquaponics... Um, this is like a sloped bed. It's it's typically like a sloped bed of one to one or one point one to one point four, one point one to one point four percent grade, and the flow is typically around one liter per minute. Plenty of root oxygen, water, and nutrients available in this type of system. All right. So are you uh, are you uh, dumbfounded yet? Yep, feeling pretty dumbfounded. Okay. <laughs> There's a well, lot of systems great. out there. 
if you're not dumbfounded enough as it is, let's go into the animals. You ready for this? Yes. This is actually going to be a little bit quicker. All right. The typical animals, and this is in the rearing tank, uh, they're usually freshwater fish or life. All right. right. Tilapia is the most common because it is the easiest to do and has a lot of meat yield. Uh-huh. All right. And you can do silver perch, ill-tailed catfish, uh, jade perch. You can do Murray cod or, you know, just about cod, any type right. of cod. Uh, goldfish. <laughs> did you know that people eat goldfish? No, I did not know that. Yes, goldfish is edible. And actually, I believe goldfish is considered in the same family as, uh, I believe it's the same as, mm, it's a type of uh, perch. No, I don't think it's perch. Anyways. I know they have no stomach, so you have to like make sure they're fed more often. You can't just feed them one big meal. Right, right. Yeah, it. if you feed yeah. them one big meal, you'll kill them. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what but, happened to my son's goldfish. <laughs> yeah. So with the goldfish, though, um, they are edible and they will get huge. Right. They will get huge. Um, and they have a lot of bones in them. And there are a lot of small bones. That's why people don't like to eat them. But mm-hmm. they are a fairly resilient fish whenever it comes to growing them in these beds. Okay. Another one is koi. You can do koi in one of these beds as well. Right, and if you're yeah. like me, not like you, Sarah, you're in California, but if you're like me in Tennessee where the winters are um, freezing, you know, you feel like you're in Wisconsin during the wintertime, but you right. feel like you're south of Texas in the summertime in these wonderful temperate climates, but you don't want to have to maintain your water temperature at all, you can just do bluegill. Or oh, right. uh, many, many bluegill mm-hmm. and many different types of catfish. Okay, so those are the really good ones that they are less susceptible to temperature changes. They are. I do have some really cool ideas. Uh, I don't want to go into those right now because this is going to go long anyways. And right. I told you <laughs> that I you weren't going to. I told you <laughs> that let's limit the time. <laughs> Um, the bluegill is a great idea. Those, they're pain in the butt to clean when you got a whole bunch of them, but, eh, you know. Well, the day that you're eating it, uh, yeah. you're starving to death. <laughs> right? Like, wow, I've got a plate full of bluegill. You're going to be thinking you're lucky stars. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so, um, pros and cons. We kind of went through them. Uh, what do you think, like, the best pros for this system are, best cons, and then let's wrap it up. Well, the best pros is you have everything in one place. Everything's right there. You can go vertical with the system, and you can make use of your vertical spaces to do more productivity. Okay, you have a lot more functionality there um, for for high-yield production. Now, as far as post-collapse, you know, we, we already talked about the cons. The right. cons is you're going to lose power. If you lose power, you lose flow. So now you've got to have some way to maintain flow. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to sit out there <laughs> no. riding a bicycle <laughs> or doing something like that trying to get flow into my tanks. Absolutely. However... If you have a battery bank and a wind generator or water generator and you and you connect that up to your tanks, you can use 
your generator to charge your batteries while you're moving the pumps in your tanks. And whenever your generator goes out, then you can use relay logic and it's going to turn on the battery bank to keep flow going to your tank while your main wind source is gone. Okay. Okay. That is not the kind I like. That is so complicated, mm-hmm. so ridiculous, and nobody's ever going to want to do that. So you know what the best – remember me telling you that you could grab pond water straight right. out of the pond and put it into your fish beds a little yep. bit a little bit? Why can you put pond water in there? It's already got your bacteria and everything in oh, there. Oh, it's already got your beneficial oh. bacteria. Right. You're, you're, you're taking me exactly where I want to go here. You've got your beneficial bacteria. So if you have a pond full of fish and you decide that you want to put a flotation-type grow bed on top of your pond, connect those beds with ropes, (laughs) and float them out to the center of your pond, Yeah. does it not seem like that would be a much easier way to do things? Absolutely. You could just have the pond with your plants floating out. That's how the um, Aztec, the Mayans and the Aztecs used to do it as well. Yep, so and why that not? is exactly where I got that idea from. Yep. See, there you go. You ruined it. I looked, uh, like, <laughs> I looked like an all-star, and now I just look like an average person. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I've just done a lot of research on it myself, you know. Um, well, not on the aquaponics, but on ancient civilizations and stuff because I – I research, uh, you know, why civilizations fall and things like that. Um, uh-huh. It all goes into the fictional books, but, you know, it's always fun. It keeps my mind tantalized. So, excellent. Well, that is uh, that is definitely the way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way to go because it's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. You just need a pond then. You flow your plants out on top of it. Bang. You don't even have to worry about all the water feed and the this and the that. Excellent yeah. idea. Yep, yeah. and uh, if you want to keep if you want to keep your pond aerated, you wanted to keep, um, you know, you just wanted to keep everything. Go a little bit step forward. Um, you ever heard of the term lanyap? No. Lanyap is an uh, is a Cajun term, and I may have said it incorrectly, but uh, I got a lot of family in Louisiana, and they're probably going to slap me for saying it that way. <laughs> I um, know that feeling. But lanyap is a little bit something extra. So if you just want to do a little bit of lanyap for your system, then you can put a small fountain in your pond and keep the water circulating. Right. Keep your fish going. You got your plants going. And now they're probably getting a little bit of uh, spray on top of them as well, which we all know that water spraying on the Leaves of your plants is pretty good as long as yep. it's not too much. Keeps everything and, cool. Uh, and you've got all this water circulating. So it's essentially like you have your full aquaponic system right there inside of a pond right. where you can enjoy gotta, the nature around yeah. it, can enjoy your fish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just think about how relaxing it would be. Let's talk about pre-collapse. Yeah. Nope. No preppers want to talk about pre-collapse. Let's right. talk about pre-collapse. You go out there. You have a little bench that you build out of a couple two-by-fours. All right. Uh, for those that have bad backs like myself, you probably got a big, nice outdoor couch that you put <laughs> right? out there, you know, because you don't want to hurt your You got your fountain going. 
But you're sitting here, you're listening to the fountain go, and you've got all of these plants growing in the middle of your pond, just out there in the middle, and you're just looking out at that and listening to the water. Just think about how relaxing that is. Yeah. And that is, that doesn't even take into account, you know, your food that you're getting from it. And that doesn't take into account how awesome your survival could be with it in a post-collapse scenario. You know, there are people that spend tons of money trying to design that type of landscaping just for the water noise. Right. Just so it's beautiful. You can illuminate the fountain, you know. Yeah, looks like Brock's going to be out there digging me a pond. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Brock. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Well, Ken, that about takes care of it for today. We got to wrap it up because we are, we want to uh, get as much info in as fast as we can and, and not keep everybody hanging on. But very good explanation of the system. You can definitely picture on how it would work, what it's about for people who had no idea. And then, uh, you know, breaking it down to as simple as build yourself a pond and you can make it happen right there without all these pumps and filters and you know everything going it sounds like there's a lot less room for air in that system to me right right and if everybody wants a little bit more information um this is you know this is a plug but it's not it's not a shameless plug um i did an episode on my podcast it was episode 48 where i go into a little bit more detail about this as well um I just know that when you and I are talking for an hour, it makes for a really long podcast on your end. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, I want more story. I want more story. I'm like, hey, it's not like I'm the author or something. You know, come on, give me a break. <laughs> All right, Ken. Well, thank you very much for joining me for this episode. We're going to have you back soon, so I look forward to it. All right, I'm looking forward to being back on your show. I think it's episode 13 we're going to be doing. I think you're right. All right. Have a good one. Now, if you couldn't take show notes because you were on the go, don't worry. I took detailed notes for you that you can find at thepepperpodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to me using any podcatcher you have so that you don't forget to download new episodes. If you want to thank me for the amazing free information I bring you, please share my podcast on Facebook or Twitter and give me a review on iTunes or Stitcher. If you want me to email you some of the best stuff for new preppers, then just go to thepepperpodcast.com and sign up for my newsletter in the sidebar. Or you can just text SURVIVE to 444-999. You will also have opportunities to get free stuff and special deals that no one else gets. And with that, this was Ken Jensen of ThePrepperPodcast.com teaching you strategies on self-reliance so that you can build a more resilient and enjoyable life. Have a wonderful week. This is Ken, signing out.
So if you're still here, here are a few things going on with me. First thing, I have been updating my preparedness system. It is now available for purchase at theprepperpodcast.com forward slash prep system. Soon, I will probably double the price of it since I have worked most of the bugs out of it. So if you want it for a cheap, a cheaper price, go to theprepperpodcast.com forward slash prep system. Number two, I have signed up to do a Spartan race with my wife fairly soon. Um, the reason why it's been a while since I've done podcast and the reason why I haven't been able to train over the last three weeks or so is because I've been sick as a dog. But I am better now. It's crazy because we couldn't get this sickness out of the house. For three weeks, somebody was sick in our house and we just couldn't shake it. It was a nasty bug. Just think about something like that during a survival situation. It was horrible. Anyways, now that I've been well, I've been mountain biking, lifting a lot, occasionally going for a run. Man, I am having so much fun mountain biking. I love mountain biking. That is where I get to unwind. That's where I get to just let myself just go as hard as I can, but also it's a way to free my mind and get away from the things going on in everyday life. I'm planning to take a trip to Colorado. So if you want to know more, you can contact me on the website. If you just go to theprepperpodcast.com forward slash feedback, then you can contact me on, uh, you can contact me and ask me about my trip to Colorado. If you're in Colorado, uh, then maybe you can meet up with us somewhere. I already am meeting up, I believe, there's uh, someone who I, that he and I, do a Facebook group together and I will be meeting up with him while we're down there. And then there's uh, Dale and Lisa Goodwin of Survivalist Prepper. I think that we're going to meet up. That one's not set in stone, but we may be meeting up while we're there as well. Um, I have, so those are the people that I'm going to be meeting up with while I'm in Colorado. The majority of my time in Colorado, I'm going to be spending hiking. Um, I'm going to be doing mountain biking and everything else. So it's all outdoor stuff. I have received a few patrons on Patreon recently, and I've also acquired a sponsor. I am excited about this possibility, this new possible chapter. I don't do any of what I do for the money, but I need to pay the bills to keep it going. So money does not hurt. I mean, I need to pay the bills, guys. And this is freaking exciting that people are actually helping pay. So uh, you can go to Patreon if you want to help also, or you can be a sponsor. My website was down for a while. And I'm sorry, but my hosting provider updated their servers. And this caused an issue with the indexing of my website. All of them. All of my websites. I've got like five or six websites. And it messed up the indexing of all my websites. I got it fixed. And then just last night, as I'm recording this, last night, my website went down again. And I didn't know what it was for. And once again, my hosting provider had a database issue. But they fixed that and everything's back up now. Hopefully, I won't have any more database issues. Have a nice week, guys. Goodbye.